Hi, saints. Welcome to another edition of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Over the years, people have been misunderstanding the story of Job. So, I am going to take a little time to share with you what happened to Job and why God allowed him to suffer. We don't know who the author of Job is. Some people think that this was an allegory added to the Bible to teach us about faith when we go through trials. Well, that's not true. The story of Job is about getting to know the real God, pride and forgiveness. It's important for you to know when God is talking and when he isn't. God never spoke through Job. Did you know that? Well, you're going to learn about that in this story. That is essential for you to know. So keep that in mind as we read the story of Job. All right, saints, let's rightly divide these scriptures. This is the story of Job and why did God allow Job to suffer? We are first going to look at what transpired before Job began to suffer and who was behind the suffering. God is going to set some of you free today from some of the things you heard over the years that God did not communicate through Job. You will be surprised. Now go to the book of Job chapter one, the book of Job chapter one. I typically read from the New King James Version. Unless I indicate otherwise, I will be reading from the New King James Version. It doesn't matter what version you have. In the end, we will be in the same place. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to commence the reading. Now, you can pause the tape and resume after you find Job chapter 1. I will be reading verses 6 through 12. Verse 6. Now, there was a day. When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man? one who fears God and shuns evil. Now, before I continue, whenever the word fear is associated with God in the Bible, it means respect or reverence, okay? It doesn't mean to fear like, okay, you're on the plane and then you're going through some rough turbulence and um, there may be a chance that the plane crashed. No, not that type of fear. It is respect or reverence, okay? So, um, let me pick up here. Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God, respects God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job respect or fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out 
from the presence of the Lord. Now, we see here several things. The sons of God went to present themselves to God and Satan was with them. Now, the sons of God here are angelic beings, not like us. They are angels that God had created. And they were in the heavenlies, which is in between heaven and the earth realm, not on earth. And Satan was with them. Satan is, all, is, is also known, you guys know, as our accuser. He is always before God, day and night, accusing the saints. Look what he did last night. Look what she did last night. And God turns around and says, look what my son did on the cross. Hmm. Now, now we can jab Satan every now and then with that. He's always accusing the saints before God. Boy, I tell you, that devil is a liar. God asked Satan, where did he come from? And Satan said he was walking about the earth. Now, we already know that Satan walks the earth, seeking whom he may devour. First Peter 5 and 8 tells us that. Now, God asked him, had he considered his servant Job? It was God who initiated the conversation with Satan. Remember? Now, we know that God knows all things. So there has to be a reason that God brought Job's name up to Satan. God considered Job to be a righteous man, you know, that, that respected him. And, and there was no other man on earth like Job at the time. Job was just a good man in the sight of God. Satan began to tell God that the only reason Job was so faithful to him is because he was rich and that God had a hedge of protection over him and his possessions. Okay. And if God removed his protection, Job would curse him. Now, Job was a very wealthy man. God said, all that Job has is in your power, but don't touch him. Now here, God is actually saying to Satan, all that Job has is already in your power. There's a reason for that. Okay. We are going to get to that reason. In other words, you can do what you want with Job's possessions, but don't touch Job. You can't touch his person. So God already knew that Job would never curse him. But still, there is a moral to this story. So Satan went and he began to attack Job's possessions, starting with his children. Job lost his children through a tragic accident. He lost his cattle, which was the bulk of his wealth. He was really being attacked by, the Satan, by, by Satan. I'm telling you, Satan was putting a hurting on Job. Even Job's wife started telling him to curse God, but Job refused. Now in chapter two, starting with verse one, the sons of God approached him again to offer up prayers and sacrifices. God asked Satan again because Satan was with them again. Why was he there? God and Satan basically had the same conversation about Job they had before. This time, God said, you touched all of Job's things and he is still holding on to his integrity. Satan said, look, skin for skin. If Job's body was attacked, he will surely curse you. So God, for whatever reason, guys, gave Satan permission to attack Job with sickness. But he could not take Job's life. He couldn't kill him. Mm -mm. 
God was still protecting Job's life. Now you may be asking yourself, why did God allow Satan to attack Job like this? It seems cruel that a God, that our God, would allow the devil to inflict so much pain on such a good person like Job. What you don't know is, there is a reason God allowed these horrible things to happen to Job. So Satan struck Job with boils from head to toe. Job was in so much pain that he started cursing the day that he was born. He thought God was doing these things to him, but he did not curse God. Keep in mind, he still didn't curse God. However, Job started listing hundreds of things he had not done and all the good deeds that he had done. And he was actually making statements referencing to he didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve these attacks against him. Now, I want you to keep that in mind, too, as we go through the story of Job. In the midst of his devastating trials, Job had three friends. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophaz, the Naamite. All three made a decision to go and show their support for their friend Job. But when they saw Job, they were in shock because Satan had really put a hurting on Job. Job looked a mess. So they didn't say anything to Job because they were speechless at what they saw. They sat with Job for seven days and seven nights without saying anything. They were just there. However, when they did start talking to Job, they started judging Job by telling him that it was because of his sins that these horrible things had come upon him. But Job stood his ground and insisted that he had not committed any sins. And they stood their ground telling Job, if you confess your sin, God will forgive him and, and you know, remove his sickness. But Job wasn't bending. Mm -mm. No, Job was not bending. And I want y'all to keep them. Uh, keep that in mind here that Job wasn't bending. Job started accusing God of treating sinners better than him. A righteous man. Mm -hmm. Job considered himself a righteous man. Telling God that sinners live longer. They keep their riches. They party and God allows it. Yeah, yeah. You will find Job saying a lot of things out of order. Now, Job's friends did not comfort him at all. They were arguing with him instead. They did not intend to hurt Job, but they approached him with words of judgment, not words of comfort. How many of us know if we're going through a trial, we need somebody to come and comfort us and lift us up. We don't need nobody to come with a judgmental spirit. But that's what the spirit that Job's friends were operating in the spirit of judgment. Their approach caused Job to start defending himself. Now you have to remember Job had lost everything at this point, including his family. He just didn't lose his wife. He lost all of his kids. He lost all of his cattle. He lost all of his possessions. He needed to be encouraged and comforted, not judged. He did not need it to be judged. How many of, of know, how many of us know that 
if any of us are overtaken in a fault, those who are spiritual should restore such a one. How many of us know that? But Job didn't have that at the time. Job, but look, look, here, here come the voice of wisdom. Job and his friends had a third friend that was wiser than Job and his three judgmental friends. His name was Elihu. He was a young man. He was younger than Job and his three friends. See, Job and his three friends were older men. You know, this is when God started speaking to Job and his three friends. God attempted to use Elihu to share words of wisdom to Job and his friends. When Elihu heard Job and his friends talking, he started correcting them. Now, Elihu reveals what Job's sin is. Yes. But first, I'm going to read when Elihu starts telling Job about the goodness of the Lord. Elihu was trying to tell Job and his friends that God is a good God and not the horrible God they were discussing. Then I'm going to read when God finally responds to Job. So I want you to go to we're going to read a lot of scriptures, a lot of scriptures, because I want the word of God to speak. So we're going to start first at Job chapter 35. Job chapter 35. Let me pull this up. While you guys go through there, I'm going to be looking for Job chapter 35. And as I read, I'm going to point out some very important scriptures. Okay? Job. Now, this is Job's friend talking. Elihu. Okay, he started talking before chapter 35, but for the sake of time, I'm going to be reading uh, beginning at 35. Now, this is Elihu uh, where he condemns self-righteousness. He is talking to Job. Moreover, Elihu answered and said, do you think this is right? Do you say my righteousness is more than God's? For you to say what advantage will it be to you? What profit shall I have more than if I had sinned? I will answer you and your companions with you. Look at the heavens and see and behold the clouds. They are higher than you. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? Or if you tra if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? That him is God that uh, Elihu is talking about. If you are righteous, what do you give him or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects a man such as you and your righteousness, a son of man. See, this is Elihu is starting to reveal to Job what his issue is. OK, uh, let me pick up at verse nine because of the multitude of oppressions. They cry out. They cry. They cry out for help because of the arm of the of the mighty. But no one says, where is God, my maker, who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of, of, of heaven. There they cry out. I'm sorry. There they cry out. But he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Now, he's throwing hints to them. OK, because while Job was going through these painful trials and it was painful, to read what was happening to Job, he not once asked God to heal him. He started accusing God. 
of doing all these things to him. Such a righteous man, such a good man. That's what Job was doing. Now, um, that was verse 12. Let me read that again. There they cry out, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to empty talk, nor will the Almighty regard it. Although you say, do not see him. Although you say you do not see him, yet justice is before him, and you must wait for him. And now, because he has not punished in his anger, nor taken much notice of folly, therefore Job opens his mouth in vain. He multiplies words without knowledge. Keep that in mind here. Now, we are going into chapter 36, where um, Elihu proclaims God's goodness, okay? Bear with me a little, and I will show you that there are yet words, words to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to, make, to my maker. For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Ooh, my Lord. Behold, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not preserve the life of the wicked, but gives justice to the oppressed. Now, the reason Elihu is saying this, because when Job was running off at the mouth, he, he was saying things like, yes, God preserves the lives of the wicked. Job was speaking that, but it's not true. Okay. Elihu is correcting Job right now and speaking about the goodness of the Lord. Okay. Now let's pick up at verse seven. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but they are on the throne with kings for he has seated them forever and they are exalted. Talking about the righteous. Now this is verse eight. And if they are bound in fetters, fetters meaning chains held in the cords of affliction, then he tells them their work and their transgressions that they have acted defiantly. He also opens their ear to instruction and commands that they turn from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Okay, but the hypocrites in heart store up wrath. They do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth. And their life ends among the perverted persons. He delivers the poor in their affliction and opens their ears in oppression. My God, my God. So Elihu is, is telling Job who God is because what was spewing out of Job's mouth was not God. He was not God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Job was thinking that God was doing all of these horrible things to him. But when in actuality, he was not. We read in chapter one and chapter two, where it was Satan who was doing these things to Job, but God allowed it. Now, Satan, when he started taking Job's possessions and killing off his family, you got to remember, God told Satan, all that he has is in your power. God never said, I give you the power. He said, all that he has is in your power. Satan already had power to take it. And, and we're getting ready to find out how Satan got that power. Okay. Now, let's look at uh, 
verse 20, 20 in we are in chapter 20 um 36 i'm sorry so let's jump to verses 24 where um elihu starts to proclaim god's majesty remember to magnify his work or which men have sung everyone has seen it man looks on it from afar behold god is great and we do not know him nor can the number of his years be discovered we don't know how long god existed we don't and elihu is sharing this um for he draws up drops of water which distill as rain from the mist which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man indeed can anyone understand the spreading of clouds the thunder from his canopy look he he, scat, he scatters his light upon it upon the earth and covers the depths of the sea for by these he judges the peoples he gives food in abundance he covers his hands with lightning and commands it to strike his thunder declares it the cattle also concerning the rising storm now Elihu was telling Job about the power of God, the deity of God, the, the majesty of God. Because God's, uh, uh, whether you know it or not, Job started exalting himself above God. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting ready to start to see what Job's sin is and what it was. It didn't just start. When those trials hit Job, Job already was in sin. But see, God is revealing this to us for a reason. Okay, now let's look at um, chapter 37. At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Hear attentively the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He sends it forth under the whole heaven, his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roars. I'm sorry, after it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majesty voice. And he does not restrain them when his voice is hard. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. For he says to the snow, fall on the earth. Likewise to the gentle rain and the heavy rain of his strength. He seals the hand of every man that all men may know his work. The beasts go into dens and remain in their liars. From the chamber of the south comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds of the north. By the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen. Also with moisture, he, he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds and the swirl about. I'm sorry. And, the, and they swirl about being turned by his guidance that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Now, let's look at verse 14 of uh, chapter 37. Listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his, of his cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced? Those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge. Why are your garments hot when he quiets the earth by the south wind? With him have you spread out the, the skies strong as a cast metal mirror? Strong as a cast metal mirror? 
Now, this is Elihu correcting Job here. He's telling Job about the, the, the deity of God, the strength of God, the majesty of God. Okay. Uh, in verse 19 of uh, chapter 37, teach us what we should say to him. He's telling Job, now you teach us what we should say to God. Go ahead. Since you're so righteous, teach us what we should say to God. For we can prepare nothing because of the darkness. Should he be told that I wish to speak? If a man were to speak, surely he would be swallowed up. Even now, men cannot look at the light when it is bright in the skies, when the wind has passed and cleared them. He comes from the north as golden splendor. With God, with God is awesome majesty. As for the almighty, we cannot find him. He is excellent in power, in judgment, and abundant in justice. He does not oppress. Therefore, men fear him, respect him, okay? He shows no partiality to any who are wise at heart. Now, the Lord reveals his omnipotence to Job. Now, this is chapter 38 we are getting ready to read. This is when God himself starts talking to Job from the clouds. A mighty voice comes down. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? This is God talking to Job. All these things Job was saying about God without knowledge. He had no clue. He was wrong. But yet we have people repeating the words of Job in the church. Job was speaking about God incorrectly. Listen, listen. Who is this who darkens counsel by, by words without knowledge? This is God talking to Job. Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely you know, Mr. Exalting yourself above me. That's what God is telling Job. Now, surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it to what were its foundations fastened or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb. When I made the clouds, its garment and thick darkness, its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said this far, you may come, but no further. And here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked, their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the spring of the sea? Oh, have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breath, the breath of the earth? Tell me if you know all this, where is the way to dwelling to the dwelling of light and darkness. Where is its place that you may take it to its territory that you may know the path to its home. Do you know it? Because were, were you born then or because the number of your days is great? 
Now, it, what here God is saying, were you born when I made all these things? You didn't even exist when I started the foundation of the earth. But yet you are exalting yourself above me. Oh, yes, he was giving Job a good scolding. Okay, like you scold your child for bringing home bad grades in school for not studying. God was scolding Job. So I don't know what you were being told in your denomination over the years. But honey, the book of Job is not about faith. Job did everything but curse God. He blamed God for everything that was happening to him. And not one time did Job at least bow down and say, God, forgive me for whatever I did. Not one time. But there is some goodness in Job. You got to remember, he made these statements out of ignorance. Out of ignorance. Now, for the sake of time, we're going to jump from chapter 38. That was in chapter 38. And we're going to jump to uh, chapter 40. Uh, this is God still talking to Job. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. He telling Job, answer this. And this is what Job said. Then Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. I can imagine I would have been. Now, this is the real fear. I would have been trembling. I probably would have passed out if I would have been saying those things about God. And then he starts speaking through to me through the clouds. I would have passed out. Now, this is Job still talking. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer yes twice, but I will proceed no further. <laughs> Job saying I ain't saying nothing else. He's not doing it. He putting his hand over his mouth. He is not saying nothing else. And then God starts to challenge Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Because that's what Job was doing. He was exalting himself so high on a pedestal that he was condemning God. Yeah, like I said, Job said everything but curse God. He, he was condemning God. But remember, he was condemning God out of ignorance. He really didn't know God. He didn't. Now, this is verse nine of uh, chapter 40. Have you an arm like God or can you thunder with a voice like his? Then adorn yourself with a, a, a majesty and splendor and array yourself with glory and beauty. And um, pay attention, close attention to verse 11. Uh, disperse the rage of your wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him. Mm, mm. Now we are beginning to see what Job's sin is. Okay. Uh, verse 12. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. Then I will also confess to you that your own right hand can save you. Now. Job's sin was pride, my sisters and brothers. That's what Job's sin was. That's why God allowed Satan to attack Job. Job didn't just start exalting himself when that calamity struck. That was his character. Okay. God knew that Job had a sincere heart, but he also knew Job didn't know him. Okay. So the stories you have been hearing about Job, oh, it's about faith. No, 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 no. Job had turned on God. He started accusing God of everything. You can read that 
Read the whole book of Job. It's not long. The chapter, it has 42 chapters. The chapters are small. You can read from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 42, which is the last chapter. But you have to keep in mind that when Satan started attacking Job, Job had no clue. All he thought, uh, because he knew God was the Almighty. Like a lot of people today, they don't know that Satan exists and that he has existed since he had been kicked out of heaven. Joseph, uh, I'm sorry, Satan was kicked out of he he um, heaven um, before the pre-Adam days. So Satan been in existence. Okay, he been there. So um, let's continue. We're going to jump to chapter um, 42, which consists of Job repenting. And God restoring him. Okay. Then Job answered the Lord and said. I know that you can do everything. And that no purpose. Or year. Or your, uh, of yours. I'm sorry. I have the fan blow, <laughs> blowing these pages. Uh, let me try to contain. Uh, these pages a little bit. By holding them down. Okay. And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Job, this is Job repenting, okay? Job is saying, I have uttered, I have said what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you but hearing of the ear. I'm sorry. Job said, I have heard of you by hearing of the ear. But now my eyes, my eye sees you. You know what the word sees me? I told you in the Bible, it understands now. Job understands now the things of God. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job repented. He laid it all on the altar. He was super remorseful. He wasn't just remorseful. He was super remorseful. And this is verse 7 of 42. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to now he's getting ready to address Job's friends, <laughs> his three judgmental friends. Listen to what God tells them. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Terminite, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. Them little demons came there. They had genuine concern, but when they saw Job, they start judging him. Oh, yes. How many of you judge people on their appearance, their outward appearance? You better stop. You better stop that right now. You better read. The, if you're going to read the book of Job, you better read about what happened to him, the suffering that uh, he went through because of his pride and because of his ignorance of God. You better be careful about speaking things and then attaching God to it. Like, oh, it God who took your child. That's not God. That is not God. And it's another thing I have to clear up before we get to the end because we are almost there. Um, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, what Job has is he repented. That is what, because Job wasn't initially speaking what is right, uh, what was right about God, but he started, he repented, okay? 
Now, therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, the Terminite, and Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the, the Naamite, went and did as the Lord commanded them. For the Lord had accepted Job, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. You see, after Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored everything Job lost, including family members. Now, uh, indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity. This is what I want to clear up. For all, I want to, I'm going to read this first and then I'm going to explain to you what this means. For all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. That's not what this means because y'all know that it was Satan who brought all the adversity upon him. Now, when, you, when the translators translated the Hebrew language into English, they made a mistake. And any certified teacher will tell you this. When you study the Hebrew language and it's transferred over to English, where in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, where like in Deuteronomy and um, Leviticus, uh, where it talks about God uh, saying, I will do this to you. Or I will put this on you. That's not what that means. What it means is I will permit this to happen to you or I will allow this to happen to you. Just like this verse here where it says, um, uh, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. No, that's not what that means. The Hebrew language says, and I, I, I studied Hebrew, so I know the literal, um, the literal Hebrew wording says that the Lord had permitted to come upon him. Okay, permitting something to happen and, and bringing something upon you are two different things. And I just thought that was very important for me to clear that up. Now, those who do not know the Hebrew language, like in these traditional Baptist churches, and they read these scriptures, they will take this out of context and say, and the Lord will uh, put allow what, not allow, but bring upon you what he brought upon Job. No, God didn't bring this upon Job. If you look at the beginning, we find out, we see who brought all of the, this calamity upon Job. It was the devil, but God allowed it. So the translators made a, a huge error when translating the Hebrew language, because you have to remember what Jesus said. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You hear me? Jesus is the walking word of God. He existed before he came in the flesh. And Jesus said, the thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And I'm here to tell you, God tried to give his children in the Old Testament that did not have Jesus Christ in the flesh, abundant life, but they were ignoring it. So this translation is wrong. Okay.
and you can email me all you want and I will show you in the Hebrew language the Hebrew the Hebrew definition for uh God uh, brought this adversity upon him literally means God allowed this adversity to come upon Job okay now verse 12 oh no let me um finish this cuz we're almost to the end and uh where was I I was on a roll and I just I had to start explaining that. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers and sisters, all um, and all those who had been his acquaintances before uh, came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him. That's what he needed when this, first, this stuff first started. He needed to be consoled and comforted. They comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord permitted uh, or allowed to come upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep. Woo! This is twice. So before he had 7,000. Now he had 14,000. Um, 6,000 camels. He used to have 3,000. Now he have 6,000. 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Boy, he worked his wife, didn't he? Oh, yes. Um, and he called the name of the first child, uh, Jamia, the name of the second, Kaziah, and the name of the third, Karen Habak. In all the land were found no woman. I mean, I'm sorry. And all the land were found no women. So beautiful as the daughters of Job. Job had the most beautiful daughters in the land. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. Job lived a long time. So Job died old and full of days. Oh, yes, he did. So the answer to what was happening to Job and why is found in chapters 38 and 42 when God finally intervenes and began chastising Job. Now I want you guys to stand by for my commentary then my closing remarks. In conclusion, God was angry at Job. He told Job, who are you? to speak about me out of ignorance. Now man up. I'm getting ready to answer all that you said about me. Not only that, I'm going to ask you questions and you will answer me. Here's the key. Job was making statements about God that were not true. I submit to you today. There are people making statements about God that are not true and using the story of Job to justify it. They are taking Job's words and contributing them to God. When in fact, God told Job he was speaking incorrectly about him. How many times have you heard the pastor in your denomination say, The Lord give it and the Lord has taken away. Job was losing his mind while being tormented by the devil. He was saying things out of ignorance. Those were Job's words, not God's. I want you to read Job 1, 21. It wasn't God attacking Job. Satan was. 
God allowed it. Why? Why did God allow Satan to attack Job so viciously? God doesn't make a habit of allowing the devil to attack his people for nothing. God said to be angry and sin not. Don't give the devil a foothold. Sin allows you to give the devil a foothold in your life to come in and wreak havoc. Satan can't tell the almighty God what to do. So what was Job's sin? I submit to you today. It is in the statements of Elihu. The statements that Elihu made to Job. And in God's response to Job. In addition to, to Job being a nice man. He was also a proud man. Job's pride was his sin. Job was also ignorant of who God is. Job's fear of losing his riches allowed for Satan to come in and destroy Job's family and take his possessions. I want you to read Job chapter 3 verses 25 and 26. And I want you to remember, God doesn't give us the spirit of fear. Job's fear and his thoughts of losing all that he had played a huge part in the destruction of Job. I want you also to remember, as a man thinks, so is he. Job lived in constant fear of losing his possessions. Remember in Job chapter 1, when God told Satan, all Job has is in your power. God never said, I give you the power. God said, behold, all that he has is in your power. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. Jesus also said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. All this happened to Job pre-Jesus. God has never taken anything from his people. Satan has always been the, been the thief and the robber. Now after God admonished Job, Job recanted all the bad things he said about God. Job also admitted that he made his statements out of ignorance. You see, God knew Job had a sincere heart, but God also knew Job didn't know him. Job had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now the story of Job is about getting to know the real God. Pride and living in fear can give the devil a foothold. Also, if you want to know the things of God, Get to know him through his word. And in the end, God rewarded Job with more than he had before disaster struck Job and his family. When Job found out that he really didn't know God, he apologized and received the word of God. So what are you going to do today when it comes to learning the things of God? Now, I would like to recommend another book. Through the Fire and Through the Water, My Triumph Over Cancer by Dr. Betty Price. Dr. Price shares her story of how God healed her from cancer. Yes, God is still in the healing business today. This book is an inspiration and will encourage you to keep your faith in God when sickness comes upon you. Walk by faith and not by what you see. And always speak God's healing scriptures over your body. Although Dr. Price was under her doctor's care, it was God who healed her. In her physician's report, 
which is listed in her book. Her doctor gave God the praise. To God be the glory. Hmm. Now I want to leave you with this scripture. Proverbs chapter 6 verses 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Number one, a proud look. Number two, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies and who sows discord among brethren. Now I want to direct you back to the first one. A proud look. This is a look showing one's self above others. That's one of the mistakes that Job made. Job had exalted himself above the Almighty God. And we should never do that, my sisters and brothers. So I want you to think about that until you hear from Dr. Kamala D. again. Wow. Keep your faith in Jesus. I hope this message, the story of Job, has been a blessing to you. Share or play it with your family and friends so that they can be blessed as well. If you have any questions about this episode, please send your comments or questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially by sowing into good ground, we teach the truth and that's good ground. Please go to my Anchor, Spotify or Breaker homepage, tap the contribute to this podcast button and contribute an amount of your choice. Now, until next time, saints, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.